You're listening to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions, and I'm your host, Michelle Dawes-Burke. Fasten your seatbelts as it's sure to be an informative discussion and conversation. Keep in mind that we are not perfect, but we're empowered. Enjoy. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions. I'm your host, Michelle Dosbert, and as always, I'm super excited to be here with you this afternoon. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. We got a fun-filled, packed one today. I'm talking to one of my favorites today, so I'm really super excited about that. I'm just not going to keep you in suspense anymore. I'm just going to bring them in. Today, my topic is all about a lawyer by day, a DJ by night. It is DJ Mr. Alan King. Hey, Alan, how are you? Hey, Michelle, how are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Well, you know, you're one of my favorite people, too. Oh. I, I, I hate it. It's been so long since we've seen each other. So Yeah, yeah, I'm tickled. Me. I'm tickled. Alan, I want to just jump right in with you because I sure. respect you. I respect your opinion. I respect your profession. There's been so much going on these past couple of weeks with Georgia turning blue, with Warnock getting in office and Onsloff. I just wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts about them riding the Capitol uh, last week? What was that all about? Well, first of all, all praise to you and everybody in the ATL and in Georgia um, turning blue. That's amazing. Yeah. So I, I know you you put in some work, too. So, uh, you know, last week or the January 6th, I mean, it was just absolutely insane. But it, it was really the culmination of, um, you know, what Donald Trump has put out in the atmosphere mm-hmm. over, over the last four years. Mm-hmm. And, you uh, you know, frankly, it was so irresponsible on his part because he knows he has these army of people that, you know, listen and hang on his every word mm-hmm. and believe whatever it is that, that, that he tells them. I, I have absolutely no doubt that Donald Trump knows he lost the election and he knows that he's nah. I mean, he's, he's a smart guy and he's strategic, um, although, you know, that's about the only positive things I can think to say about him but mm. um you know it, it, you know when you put these lies out there and conspiracy theories and people hear it from the president of the United States you know we sh- we, we shouldn't be surprised that you know a, a, a crazy mob will will take mob action so it's just so disappointing for the country but it you know it, it all lands at the feet of Donald Trump, as far as I'm concerned. Right. So we shouldn't really be surprised by the antics, right? No, not at all. I mean, you know, he's been fomenting violence and and racism, quite frankly, since before he was president. And, you know, I I genuinely don't think he believes a lot of that stuff. He he is strategic Mm -hmm. and he's a manipulator and he's a liar. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's amazing to me that his people haven't figured out that he's a liar yet. Um, I mean, there have been so many signs. Yeah. President Obama was born in America. (laughs) He he ain't built no wall. (laughs) Mexico ain't paid for it. Uh, the Affordable Care Act is still the law of the land. Yeah, yeah. And last time I checked, Hillary Clinton is not in jail. Yeah. Not, has not been locked up. <laughs> so, basically, so basically, he's done absolutely nothing, nothing that he promised or ran on. or And still, these people think that he's telling the truth. I know. It's, it's amazing. I know. I know it's incredible, but I do want to I do want to piggyback off the point on the fact that he is strategic. 
Um, so I don't think he's going to go away quietly. I think that he's he'll go away eventually, but I think he's already working on his next moves, whatever that may be. Wouldn't you agree, Alan? Yeah, I, I do. But I tell you, get, getting banned from Twitter is a big you know, fly in his ointment mm-hmm. because he's mm-hmm. got to have a, a means of continuing to communicate with his legions of idiots. Mm. Um, <laughs> but um, and obviously he, he loved to tweet and Twitter was a big part of his life. So, you know, they're saying he's he's banned permanently. I, I have a feeling they're going to rescind that at, yeah. at some point after he's out of office. Right. But that is that's that's cramped everything he's trying to do when mm. he when he has lost Twitter and can't, you know, constantly communicate directly with his people. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I do think he's going to come up with some kind of news organization, yeah. some alternative to yeah. Fox News and some of the other sites that are out there. Yeah. But he's going to have a lot, you know, he's got lawsuits coming. He, he might have criminal prosecution yeah. coming, you know, as a result of his last dastardly act, which was encouraging this riot mm. um i mean he's really cut himself off i mean he he's toxic his his brand is toxic um you know people are just not gonna mess with him going forward so yeah it'll be interesting to see how he figures out how to continue to thrive and and make money and 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 really be in charge of the republican party so yeah It will be interesting. It will be. We have to pay attention because there was a population or percentage of black people that were supporting him as well, which was surprising. So it will be interesting to see how he rises out of this and who are the people that still believe in him. I'm still I'm still trying to figure out why were they believing in him in the first place? Because he didn't he didn't do anything. I mean, a stimulus check, maybe uh, some tax breaks, perhaps. But. I, I, you know, the man doesn't care about the human race and we're all a part of that. So to me, that should weigh a little bit heavier than anything else that he's he's talking about. No, I feel you. I mean, I, I always say maybe he's the worst president of all time, mm-hmm. but he's definitely the worst human being that's ever been president. <laughs> um, save for maybe some of our early presidents who own slaves. Right. But other than that, <laughs> he is about the worst human being who has ever been yeah. president and we're seeing the results of that, you know, hundreds of people getting arrested and locked up for listening to his nonsense. Yeah. Um, so anyway, enough about that guy. Yeah, Enough about <laughs> let's talk about you. Alan King, where, tell me, where are you from? Are you born and raised in Chicago? I am born and raised in Chicago, in the city, South side of Chicago. So, yeah. And no, no intentions of leaving. That's that's the place. That's it. You know, it's crazy because every winter I, I tell myself, <laughs> why in the hell am I doing this? When I, when I don't have to. <clears throat> but, I, you know, I, I love the city. Yeah. And, and despite, you know, its faults, um, you know, the violence issue is an issue. Right. Although I think that gets overplayed a lot. But. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, you never know, you know, retirement time, I may pop up somewhere else, but yeah, but I love the city. I'm a, I'm a Chicago kid through and through. So. so as a kid in Chicago, what kind of music did you listen to, Alan? What influenced you back then? Yeah, you know, I had an older, I have an older brother and had an older sister. So my, my sister's like 11 years older than me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had music in our house always and um you know she would tell me this story and my, my mother would 
tell me this story. Like my, my sister was a big Beatles fan. Like this is in the sixties. Yeah. I'm like four and five years old and she had a record player in her room and she'd be in there playing Beatles records all the time. And apparently I would go in there and, and mess around with her records and put things out of place. And, uh, she eventually had a had a lock put on her bedroom um, to keep me out <laughs> from, from messing with her records. Uh, but you know, with the ingenuity I had as a four year old, I found a, a broom in the kitchen and I used the broom handle to because I couldn't even reach the lock. But I opened the lock and I would go in there and play her records. So literally, from when I was four or five years old, I I, I had an interest in music and, and playing records. Um, but then my brother's four years older. So, you know, most of my musical taste came from him. So we were listening to, you know, Parliament, Funkadelic, Earth, Wind and Fire, Bar Case, Confunction, yeah. Yeah. all these R&B mm-hmm. groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that, that early on, that, that was before I discovered dance music. Right. We can certainly, t- of course, talk about, but you know, it was it was R and B, P funk, Earth, Wind and Fire. You know, that was that all was of my, that. My yeah, awesome, awesome. So I'm going to kind of speed up just a little bit. I want to yep. talk about when you decided to go to college. Where did you go? Uh, I went to a small college in Illinois called Augustana College and a small liberal arts college. And I, I'm almost ashamed to say now that I pretty much went there to play basketball. I was being recruited to play ball. Um, and long story short, I, I ended up at Augustana. But it was it, it's a really good school. I met a lot of wonderful people that are, are still close friends um, today. So I, I managed to, uh, you know, people that look at this old guy now may not see me as a, as a hooper. But <laughs> I was very much and, uh, you know, managed to go to Augustana and play ball and somehow do well enough to get into a decent law school after that. So what 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 position you play as a ball player? Wing guard. Uh-huh. Yeah. Coming down, coming through, right? Mm. Yeah, up. passing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you were probably awesome in the neighborhood as well, hence why that led you to going to that college. Yeah, you know, basketball was a big deal. Um kept you out of trouble? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found some trouble, but for, fortunately, nothing too serious. <laughs> <laughs> so music and basketball, then we're at college, and then we go to law school. So what made you become a lawyer, Alan? Why Why a lawyer? Yeah, that's interesting, too. My, my father was a lawyer, actually, okay. which, which might lead you to think that that's the reason I wanted to become a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Nah, I can't even say that was it. Uh, was it a woman? Was it was it the uh, girls? You know, to tell you the truth, um, I got to about my junior year of college and I was like, man, this is about to end in about 12 months. I have no idea what I'm going to do after college. And my thought at the time, literally, you know, because my father's a lawyer, I mean, I was familiar with that. My thought at the time was, you know what, I'm going to go to law school. Because that'll give me three more years to figure out what I want to do with my life. <laughs> and uh, so it, it wasn't a kind of thing like I always wanted to be a lawyer and right. all that stuff. I, I I really didn't. But once I got in law school, it, it kind of agreed with me that the, the writing part of it, the sort of 
analytical mm-hmm. thinking. Then I had some some good professors in law school that I really um, liked. And um, so, you know, once I got there and survived at least the first year, uh, which can be very difficult, um, I was pretty sure what That's I wanted, what you to, wanted do to do at that point. Mm-hmm. So tell me what the music scene was like during that time. Now you're a young adult, you kind of, you're in college, you're in law school. Yeah. What what was the scene like? Where, where did you go to party and did you, did you party? What did you do? What's going on? Yeah, no, that's a, that's an interesting question. So, you know, I, I started DJing like in eighth grade. So like 1977, I started DJing and I did that obviously all, all through high school and, you know, chosen few stuff. And we, we can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but I continued to DJ in, in college, um, uh, sort of at, at the college. So I was the big college DJ there. Wow. Um, but I gave it up um, at uh, law school for a while. But but when I was in college, so, uh, you know, I would sometimes, I was only about three hours away um, and I would come home as much as I could, quite frankly, to go to the, initially the, the warehouse and then the power plant, which mm. were, were the two places where Frankie Knuckles had his residency. Mm-hmm. So um, I started going to the warehouse in 1980 or 81 and, uh, you know, got hooked, got hooked, got hooked. So, um, you know, sometimes I would come home from school, go to the warehouse, go right back to school. My parents would, wouldn't even know that I was in town. (laughs) Um, So I was doing a lot of that. I was turning like some of my, my folks on to house music, dance music. You know, I take them from school with me to the yeah. warehouse and um, and later the power plant. So um, but, you know, I was playing ball, too. So it was it was a kind of a thing like, you know, I guess that's been the story of my life, like burning the candle. at, at Both things. You busy and, guy. It sounds like everything. you sound like your life in Chicago was similar to ours in New York. So while you guys were going to the warehouse Coming from coming from college, going to the warehouse, going back. Parents didn't know you were in town. We were right. doing that at Paradise Garage. We'd come right. in, party all night, get right. in the car, go back to school. <laughs> Parents didn't even know we was in town. It was the same same kind of energy going on. Wasn't it you know crazy? It <laughs> Wasn't it epic? Did you have like wonderful nights at the warehouse? It was probably okay. amazing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, I people, you know, and I take it as a huge compliment, and, and obviously. Frankie did impact yes. um, me as a DJ, but I, I had been DJing and, and, you know, a fairly popular DJ for, for years before I first went to the warehouse. But that was the place where I like really figured it out. Mm. Like what, 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 a, what a house music party is supposed to sound like, wow. look like, and, you know, the lights, the, the bass that's beating in your chest. And so it, it was a profound experience. So even though I've been DJing for years, I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is different. And um, so, yeah, you know, it was, it was amazing. And back in those days, you know, I, I initially, of course, didn't know Frankie and I, I would get up the, the, the nerve to whenever I go, I'd bring my little TDK cassette and I'd go <laughs> up there and, and I would hand it to him. And he was so, even then he didn't know me. He was so nice and so gracious you know, he'd pop it, the cassette in there and he'd record both sides and give me the cassette back at the end of the ah. night. 
Oh, I I have all these like um, unbelievable cassette tapes. Some of them have broken. <clears throat> Excuse me, but uh, some of them I still have. So, you know, it turned out he and I kind of reconnected and became really good friends yeah. much much later. Um, but you know, that was among the memories. And, wow. and I'll just share one more memory. You know how desperate we were to <clears throat> go to hear Frankie and you know other people. It was Ron Hardy or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Uh, but I remember one winter, um, I think Frankie was at the power plant there, and and the the I don't know what the temperature was, but the wind chill factor was like negative eighty below, <laughs> like Siberia, <laughs> and it was it was a Saturday night, like where we'd go to the go to the power plant normally. So I grabbed my guy John Wilson, my buddy, yeah, and we're like, man, you think power plant's gonna be open at, at eighty below? And, and we thought. You know, either it's going to be closed or, you know, there's only going to be a handful of people in there. And we went out in the snow and 80 below, drove down to the power plant, went in the power plant. It was packed. <laughs> packed. <laughs> so that that's that's how compelling, you know, that that, that was. And uh, I just thought of that. And, and now I'm remembering that, that John's car died while we were in the power plant. And we Too had to cold. Call we had to call his dad at like 7 a.m. to <laughs> come help us get a jump. Or, oh, or my God. Lots of crazy, crazy memories from childhood. Incredible. Incredible. So that was inspiration, and it led you to this thing, this this entity, these bo- this body of great men called Chosen Few. <laughs> Tell me, how did that happen for you, Alan? Tell me. <clears throat> yeah, so... Uh, Wayne Williams started the the Chosen Few. Yes. Um, also in 1977, mm-hmm. um, when I started DJing, and and initially it was really just him and, and Jesse Saunders. Um, and I, I would say, you know, I wouldn't say we were rival DJs, but we were on sort of the same scene mm-hmm. and, and, and doing our thing. And I think Wayne came to a couple parties that that I was doing, and and. Number one, I guess, was was impressed. But number two, what what he was probably most impressed about was I had my own records. Yeah, I had my own music. So all the stuff that that he had, and that you know, he was a big crate digger and, and record shop shopping guy, yeah. and, and I was too. Mm-hmm. So I think Wayne, like like, who is this dude who's got all the all the stuff all the I got? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I think that was a big part of it. Like you know. He he wanted to uh, and 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 you know he's he's really made the ultimate decisions in you know bringing folks into the crew over the mm-hmm. years and mm-hmm. obviously in in recent years adding you know Mike Dunn and, and Terry Hunter yeah uh, which we were all of course thrilled about and on board with but uh, <clears throat> so I think Wayne approached me at some point like seventy nine eighty um, about uh, and maybe it was eighty about you know, joining the crew. Right. And um, so, yeah, I mean, at the time, I mean, we were, you know, doing parties all over Chicago and <clears throat> kind of the the hot house music, dance music DJs right. um, at the time. So, And what were those early parties like, Alan? What was the vibe and the energy? What kind of music were you guys playing back then? Yeah, you know, it was, it was a lot of, I mean, it was great. So, um, 
you know, one of the places from that era that, that stands out the most was a club called The Loft. Yeah. And we called The Loft. And obviously there was The Loft in New York, mm-hmm. too, um, 14th in Michigan and Chicago. And um, different people hosted parties there, but they pretty much always booked us. So we were essentially the resident DJs at The Loft. But that was a really special place. And, you know, it, it was a lot of danceable R&B at the time. Uh, you know, Harold Melvin in the Blue Nose type stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we were just getting into the, the, the real disco era, you know, 79 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was it was disco, but it was, you know, more underground disco. Right. Um, and just to share another story about the loft. I mean, the, the, the place got so um popular and so crowded one one of the things that that i look back now as an adult in horror is that the the floor at the loft used to like literally heave Ooh. up and down with the with the pounding of people dancing and like we were probably like this close <laughs> to that whole floor because it was on the second floor uh, we were this close to that, that floor <laughs> collapsing and, and never, you know, we're, we're teenagers. We're, we're not really paying any attention. Right. Damn, look at the floor. <laughs> um, and then an, another great love story is so it, it started getting so crowded there that like we'd, we'd have to cut off admission at a certain point. Mm-hmm. We, we knew it was it was too crowded, but there was a fire department directly across the street um, from the loft. And as I said, the loft was on the second floor. Um, and one time, and I think I was DJing, I remember looking at the, there were some front windows to the building and these folks had gone across the street, got a ladder from the fire department, put the ladder up to the building and they started coming in the second floor. Wow. To get in. <laughs> to wow. Get in yeah. So it was, it was bananas. And this was every week that the energy was yeah, like that at the moment? Yeah. So Jeez. mostly 80 ish. We may have started 79, may have filtered over to 81, but 80, 1980, I say was the real sweet, sweet uh, spot for the loft. But, wow. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was insane. When did you guys as, as chosen few DJs really probably wane and he probably talked to all of you guys, but when did you guys decide to really make it a festival? Like really taking it out to the park. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> we we didn't ever decide to make it a, a, a big festival like, <laughs> like it is now. And, and we can talk about that. Um, but actually the first the first year. So, you know, I had gone off to college and law school. Tony Hatchett had moved to Houston. Jesse Saunders had moved to L.A. So we were all kind of spread out. Mm-hmm. And you know, people would always say, usually around the holidays, because we'd be in town, like, you know, when are you guys going to, you know, play together again? What are you going to do? So the first thing we did, uh, we may even call this the first year of the picnic, even though it wasn't a picnic. So we had a party one Christmas holiday season. And again, like 40, 50 below, you know, (laughs) Chicago, this is Chicago. And uh, we're like, you know, nobody's going to come to this party. And uh, for about the first hour or two, we were right. Nobody came to that party. <laughs> but as the night wore on, people just came and came and came. And, and, and it was packed and, you know, a great party, even though we were freezing our butts off. So anyway, 
that that was sort of the the genesis of the the idea of doing some kind of reunion, okay. some kind of chosen few okay. regular thing. So the the following year, we, we we started in the park, and you know, literally, you know, there were maybe forty, fifty people there, and you know, we're playing music in the background, but people are playing softball and yeah. talking football around, and you know, it was more of a just a picnic, picnic with house music in the background, and you know, just by you know, osmosis, organic, whatever you want to call it, you know, 50 people the next year became 75 people, which the next year became 2,000 people, wow. which before you knew it became 5,000 people. And, <clears throat> and just insane. And, and, and we never really set out to have a big festival or anything that looks anything like what, what the Chosen Few Picnic looks like now um we we just wanted to get together and and hang out fourth of july weekend Mm -hmm. and people just stop you know never stop coming and coming and coming and you know in those early years we we were financing everything out of our pockets and you know that's that's easy to do when you got 50 people but when you got five thousand, that's a lot security yes bathrooms and all yeah so we we really got to a junk a junction point probably I don't know 2008 or so um where we had a decision to make you know because it was just getting beyond our ability to manage mm-hmm. logistically it became too expensive to put on so you know we had two choices we could either say man that was a good run but you know that's a wrap um or we could figure out how in the world do you put on what we believe now is, is it's kind of a world-class music festival. Yeah. And we chose option B and that was figuring out how to do this. Um, and, you know, again, we, we, we never planned for this. We never set out to have a festival with 20 or 30 or 40,000 people. It, it, it just took on a life of its own and, and we stepped up to the challenge. It's huge. It's yeah. huge. It's huge. I, I had the opportunity of being there uh, for year 24 and 25. Oh, yeah. And it was be- it was beautiful. And I saw a difference, Alan, from 24 to 25. 24, we were having to have paper. Our tickets yeah. had to be printed yeah. out. So we had to have our tickets in our hand. And it was just Okay, we were doing things that way. 25, it was handheld telzons. They were just scanning it in. You know, we're coming in. Cops are thick. It's just, and you had two different entrance points and the lines were long. And I was like, this is a festival. Like, it was amazing. Yeah, it's been, and we've tried different things in different years. Yeah. Scanning and all that stuff. It's wonderful. It's amazing. It's gotten to the point where, you, you know, right after the first of the year, you know, we start planning and, you know, there's these huge meetings with all these city of Chicago right. departments, police and fire and park right. district. And um, so it's, it's, it's more than a notion to, to plan and, and organize and, and, you know, hopefully um, we'll get back out there yeah. at, at some point, um, you know, 
could be this July, but I don't know. Don't know yet. We got to see how things pan out because we're still in the midst of things with the pandemic, unfortunately. And we missed the 30th uh, in 2020. You know, we had big plans to be there, but just it just wasn't we just couldn't do it. So but it's it's exciting because when you're in Chicago, it's like a chosen few DJ takeover, like chosen few takeover. You guys are on the radio. They're playing your mixes. You guys are doing interviews. You're on AM morning radio like everybody's excited. You you're DJing in front of the the building downtown and everybody's dancing on the lunch break. It's (laughs) it's crazy. It's like you guys own the city for that weekend. Hey, all, all I can tell you is if any of us had told you that when we were in our 50s, yeah. <laughs> this thing that we were doing as kids and teenagers right. in high school, that this thing would have come back around to us and been bigger than, than ever, never would have dreamed that would happen. Yeah. You know, here I am, you know, 57-year-old yeah. lawyer, you know, DJing as much as I could possibly DJ and, and enjoying it just as much as I did when I was a kid. Wow. Uh, it's, it's been pretty remarkable. It's sensational. I mean, the energy you get standing on that stage, because I know the energy I feel hanging on the fence because I'm on the front <laughs> and I'm hanging and we're trying to like just try to reach and you got the Indian, the Indian chief is dancing. It's a whole thing. And the energy is just great. And and it seems like God kisses us every time because there's not a cloud in the sky, at least the times that I've gone and it's been great. And you guys, the sound system is incredible. And just the organization, like the high balloons in the air, like this is spot 30 or H I and, so you people know where they are, and the sponsors is incredible because you've had a, a phenomenal board of of sponsors supporting this uh, initiative, and it's great. It's great, especially for you because you're from Chicago, so like you're loving on your people, man. No, it's 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 an amazing thing, and and, and I think the the magic of it is that it started literally as a family reunion. Yeah. And we have somehow managed, despite getting up to thirty or forty thousand people, to keep that family reunion yeah. Live, yeah. alive. So, um, you know, it, it's it's become a meeting place for, you know, your high school, your sorority, mm-hmm. your you know whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Everybody's meeting at the at the chosen few, and you know we're we're humbled by it. And and you know I I just look at it like we, we're at this point we're custodians of something that people care about and and rely on and look forward to and plan around. So, you know, even if we wanted to stop. I don't think you can stop. I don't don't think you can stop. We don't want you to stop. How did you guys feel when you had that street named after you guys? I mean, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. So, um, yeah, that was in 2015, our, our uh, 25th anniversary. Yeah. We, we, we had a, a couple of surprises that day. Which, yeah, a letter from the president. Yeah, well, <laughs> a, a, a video. A video. A video. And, uh, um, and I, I'll tell you just an interesting story about that in a, in a minute. But um, I, I was burdened with the knowledge for about two weeks before the picnic that year 
that we were going to get a street named after us <laughs> and the president of the United States was going to, well, I didn't know video initially. Again, I'll tell that story. Um, but I actually knew that and I didn't tell any of the other brothers that either of these things were coming and I, I wanted them to be surprises. I think I broke down and told Terry about the, the video, <laughs> but I, I, I wanted the, our guys to be as shocked as, as the, as rest the people. Of the yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the president, you know, I, I, I've been very fortunate to, you know, have, have a friend since, you know, the say, say his name, Alan, say his name. <laughs> so the people know, yeah. say his name, sir, right, say the right. name. 44th president of the United States, Barack Obama, <laughs> um, is, is a good friend. And, and, uh, we've been friends for many years and, um, I, I happen to be at, at the white house, uh, it must've been in June, a, a month or a few weeks before the picnic for our 25th uh, anniversary. And, and, and I had a chance, I think for the first time to really talk to him at some length about the picnic and, and kind of what it means to right. Chicago and, you know, the whole nonviolent aspect. Right. And, you know, we got, we put 30 or 40,000 folks in a park in Chicago mm-hmm. on the South side. And then, you know, in 25 years, we've not, we've been fortunate not had a single act of violence, right. not a single security incident of, of any significance. So anyway, I, I was kind of telling him about that because I had this idea and I asked him if he would, would record uh, an audio like greeting to the picnic, the 25th uh, anniversary. And, you know, we play it and he come on and say it. So anyway, th- this was on like a Saturday um, when I, when I talked to him about it. And then the following, I think it was Tuesday. I get a call saying um, the the president has a video for you. And I, and I said, well, first of all, you mean an audio, right? They said, oh, no, he, a video. He cut it this morning. So he he took it totally upon himself to cut a video. Ugh. And so, I mean, that's the kind of guy he is, the kind, the kind of friend he is. And uh, so I was blown away. So they, yeah. so they sent me this video. And so I have it in my phone for about a, like three or four weeks. <laughs> It's like burning a hole in my phone. Like I want to show people, but I wanted, you know, I wanted to keep it a surprise as I possibly could. And I, I remember, I think I, I don't know if I ever told Wayne, but I, I remember telling Terry, Terry. I showed Terry the video about a week before the picnic, and it was like, oh my god, god, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's how we felt when we heard it, when we saw him come up on the monitor, and yeah. he was talking. We were like. Oh my God! Like immediately, like these guys know people. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. It's, you know, all of all of it's crazy. That that whole thing is crazy. You know, like who like knows somebody who actually runs for president and and is you know crazy enough to actually win? Um, so that that whole experience was you know I I still have a hard time believing that he did it. Yeah. And did it for two terms. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was very fortunate to spend a fair amount of time on the campaign trail yeah. in, in 2008. And, you know, it's 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 just it's still unreal. It's, it's so hard to believe. One last question about him. Did you used to ball against him? You guys used to play ball together? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where I met him. And, and it's funny over the years, like people ask, you know, when did you meet or where did you meet him? And it, it was so like. 
not so special yeah. at the time that I, you know, it's just like any of your other friends, like, damn, when, where do, where do we meet initially? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm pretty sure we met playing, playing basketball. Yeah. So yeah. I had known Michelle's brother, Craig, for years, who was a hooper, kind of yeah. basketball circles. And um, so anyway, I think we started playing ball together and then we figured out with, with Barack that, you know, we had a lot of mutual friends, lived in the same neighborhood, mm-hmm. and kind of rolled from there. But this is like the, the mid 1990s or so, 95, 90s. Nice, 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 nice. Let me ask you, Alan, how do you balance being a lawyer by day and a DJ by night? I mean, you're excellent. You're a, a husband, a father. How do you b- balance all that out? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, <clears throat> I think a lifetime of like being in clubs and, and hanging out late. Like I don't, I don't need a lot of sleep, um, which may not be true yeah. and, and reflective of my health, which probably could be better if I got a lot. Got to get you some rest. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, it, it, it obviously, you know, I, I try to avoid doing a lot of things musically like during the week or if I know I have a big, week coming up mm-hmm. a trial or something right you know, I'm, I'm not gonna hang out to three or four in the morning and and, and, and so you know it's a lot of balancing and, and trade-offs mm-hmm. um but but what i i look back now and, and i'm kind of mad at myself that you know once i went to law school and then the first you know 10 years or so of my practice and it probably was the right thing to do but i kind of dropped the, the whole djing thing focused on, you know, my career right. and, and sort of getting started. But, you know, little by little, it just kept calling me back. And, you know, um, I, I now I look back and like, wow, you know, I missed a lot of years w- with something that I'm really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you have you have trade-offs in life. Yeah. And, you know, I, I did what I had to do. And like I said, you, you couldn't have told me, you know, at 57 years old, this was going to come back around right. for me and, and be as big as it is now. So. so Alan, tell, tell the people a little bit about the type of law that you practice. Cause we've been throwing that title out that you are yeah. a lawyer, but just for interest, what type of law do you practice? Yeah, I do um, what's known as <clears throat> labor and employment law. Mm-hmm. So um, primarily litigation. So it's, it's a lot of employment related litigation, whether it's discrimination or sexual harassment or, you know, whistleblower type Mm -hmm. claims or non-compete people leaving one job, going to another, you know, that sorts of stuff. So pretty much everything in the employment um, arena is is essentially what I do. And that keeps you busy. Any signs of you slowing down in that, in your lawyer profession? I'm definitely trying to slow down (laughs) um, on, on that side of things. So, um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm going to do it at least a few more years, okay. but I'm, I'm really not trying to be doing this, <laughs> um, forever. Um, yeah. and I, I really want to, you know, have more time, frankly, to spend toward music, mm. um, and, than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that, that's the plan to kind of 
taper off the the law stuff and and ramp up the music stuff. Yeah, that's a good thing to know that you're not going to slow down on the music. It would be cool if you could share with us at least a little bit of those Frankie Knuckle tapes that you got. (laughs) You know, just play a little bit of it. It was like 15, 20 minutes so we could feel what the vibe was at that time. Because, I mean, mean, that's almost Smithsonian material you got there. I know. I, I hope I can still find that stuff. I know I had it before we moved at, at another house, but I got you got to find that, Alan. You, you, no, I know. I know. You got to find that. So you've been so busy, you haven't had an opportunity to produce music, but you're looking to hopefully kind of get in that space. Yeah, I mean that's that's really the only thing that that I feel like I haven't done, and, mm-hmm. and I've done a couple of remixes that right. are out there and on track stores, and, mm-hmm. and but um, and, and the shame of it is. I'm so fortunate to have access to, you know, some of the greatest producers, you know, in our crew, even with Terry Hunter and Mike Dunn. Yes. um, You know, at this point, you know, there's a lot of folks that, that want to help me on that side. Mm -hmm. It's just been a matter of time. So um, as you said, I'm juggling a lot of things. um, So I'm, I'm, and part of the reason my, my voice is a little raspy today is that I was doing my Saturday night live show on Twitch last night until three in the morning. So, <laughs> so I noticed that about you. You keep real late hours. Yeah. <laughs> you when you go, you go pretty late. You go long and you go pretty late. So this pandemic yeah. has not slowed you down at all. Yeah, you know it's crazy. I mean, obviously the pandemic has been been terrible, but but the two best things that come out of it for me, anyway, uh, one spending more time with my my children, yes, and my, and my new grandbaby, because um, they they've both come to Chicago a lot during the pandemic yeah. and kind of you know sheltered here. Yeah. So to to have the girls back in the house has been a blessing. Mm-hmm. And then I started this Saturday night. Um, I, I was one of the first DJs, I think, to go over to this Twitch platform. platform yes, yeah, you were. And, and I did it in March. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, with no plan, kind of just like the picnic, like the first time I, I went live on Twitch, it was a Saturday night. And I, I don't know, I was going to probably play for like an hour or two mm-hmm. hours. And, mm-hmm. you know, I ended up playing like five or six hours that night. I just was enjoying it. Yeah. And then, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, that's kind of become my, 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 that's time your slot. thing. Yeah. That's your thing, man. Yeah. So every, every Saturday night, um, I call it Saturday night live mm-hmm. and, uh, 8, 8 PM in Chicago till mm-hmm. two or 3 AM usually. Yeah. That's a long, that's a full day's work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's been fun. You know, it's, it's, it's nice to have a chance to kind of stretch out. Yeah. Yeah. Cover a lot of ground and music, classics, disco. Everything. You can do what you want. Nobody to stop you. I mean, I mean, your exposure to music, come on, playing records at four and playing the Beatles. (laughs) Come on. You got a whole lot to say musically. You yeah. sure do. And I'm glad that that's been working out. There's a lot of music up in this. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So you got to get in the producing space. Is there yeah. anybody that you would like to play for or with that you haven't? Wow. You know what? I, I, I've been so blessed through, through the picnic and, and frankly, this SNL show taking off so much. Um, 
I don't know. You know, mm. if you asked me that question 10 years ago, I would yeah. have probably had a fairly long list. Long list. And five years ago, I would have had a, a shorter list. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we've had so many people at the picnic and, and you know, everyone from Louie and Morales. Yeah. And Joe Clausell, yeah. everybody you can think of. Um, but all, all, all the DJs that I really like and have have looked up to in some cases um i think one way or another we we've been on the same bill on the same at, stage at this point yeah, yeah. so there so, isn't anything that's anybody. a great question I'm gonna, yeah you know to- tony humphreys is probably the only not the only but uh, one of, of the big ones that, right yeah that I, I haven't i haven't done anything with tony yeah either. He's busy. You may have to go overseas or something to play with him because he does a yeah. lot of stuff in Europe right. per se, right. you know, right. but, and he's another one that's got a legacy and a body of work and still going Absolutely. strong. Absolutely. No, no signs of slowing down because the people love it. The one thing I love about the, the fest, the picnic, the chosen few picnic, and it's a festival really, right. it does feel like family. And I, and I, I really appreciate that because it bridges the generation gap, right? So as we are getting older, we got kids, some have grandkids, and that's how you learned, right? So that's how I learned about Motown. That's how I learned about doo-wop, right? Doo-wop music. My mom loved it, played it all the time. So I learned about Frankie Lyman and the Imperials and all that. And then Motown came and she was listening to it and I was listening to it. And then it becomes ingrained in your soul. So that's what I love about it. That's what gives me the hope about house music staying on forever because places and moments like that where we come together and it's hours of this delicious music hitting your soul. It's, right. it's amazing. No, that, that, that's a great point. And it, it's something we, we, we're so proud of too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, at this point you've got kids because their, their parents are house heads, but yeah. who've been coming to the picnic since they were three or four or five yeah. years old. And now they're 30 and, and they've been coming every year. Yeah. Um, been exposed to, to house music and, and, and dance music. And that that's critical. I mean, I always tell people that, you know, if we don't figure out a way to pass this music down to the next generation, we're going to run the risk of, of just kind of dying out yeah. with, with, with us, at least in the United States. I mean, yeah. I see it in a lot of other countries, you know, it's more popular, it's more mainstream and, and younger people, our party in the house music. Yeah. Um, it, it, it can tend to be an older people's thing. I in know. A lot of parts of the U.S. Yeah. So, um, so we, we really have to figure out a way to pass that music down. And, and the picnic is, is, is a big, is a way. big way that we do do that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sign me up for however we need to pass it on. Cause that's why I try to use this platform. And we, we talk about it because I, I feel the same way too. I don't want it to go with me. Um, I want it to stay on forever, you know, just pass it on. And it is a different energy in Europe than it is here. Most of the kids here is like, Oh, that's like R and B or that's old folk stuff here. Y'all list, you know, we don't need, they don't even dance as much here as they do um, and, and not for nothing, some places in other country doesn't necessarily have the rhythm, but they have the freedom. They just are right. going to express sure. themselves yeah. on the dance yeah. floor for and sure. they'll pay whatever it costs. That's another right. thing. How says have a cap, 
yes. or what they're going to pay <laughs> to get cap, in and cap, what they think the it should be. Is almost zero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and can you put me on the list and all this? And, uh-huh. you so know, and, and when you go that. to Europe, it's, you know, it's like you're going to pay or you're not going to get in. And it's just a, right. it's a different right. vibe. So we got to figure out how can we keep this thing going? Because I don't want it to stop. I don't want to stop. Yeah. And, and the great thing is, you know, when, when, when young people are exposed to it, yeah. they like it. They like right. it. Particularly if, if it's, you know, in the right setting and there's, you know, tons of people enjoying themselves. Yeah. And dancing, yeah. Know. They like so it. If, if you can expose them to it, they, they, they get it or, or a lot of them get it. It's just a matter of figuring out how to expose them to it. Absolutely. Alan, what's next for you? You got some projects or anything going on? What's going on besides loving that adorable grandbaby <laughs> of yours? What's el- what else is on the plate for you? You know, it, 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 it's tough, obviously, with this pandemic. Yes. And, and, you know, one of the most immediate decisions that we have is to try to figure out if we can go back in the park yeah. this July and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, but but I think it's probably doubtful. Yeah. But, but we just don't know yet. I mean, we got to see what, you know, the deal is with the vaccine and mm-hmm. how, how comfortable people might be mm-hmm. in, in July getting together. And, you know, it may not be until, you know, 2022 next, next yeah. year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. We've certainly not made any final decisions. Understood. And, yeah. But yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, my doing my Saturday night show is, has been amazing and, mm-hmm. and had a really nice and, and kind of loyal audience. And, and that's that's been a blessing. Mm-hmm. And, and actually to be able to just go down in my basement and play some music. Yeah, that's and, nice. And now I'm, re- you know, I'm reaching folks all over the world. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people that maybe, you know, had didn't even know about me. Yeah. Um, I found their way to my, my, my Twitch show on Saturday night. So you have a beautiful um, studio, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. It's nice. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I, I usually do these kind of things like in, in that studio. Yeah. But because I was in there till three o'clock this morning, you needed a break. You know I'm, I'm not even going down there. I'm tired of it. I, I'm going to go in another room and, and, and look like the lawyer side of me and not the DJ side of me. <laughs> I like your shirt. Lean back. Let's see your shirt. Oh, Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> That's cute. That's nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Through and through. And, through. and aren't you a White Sox fan? I, I am a White Sox fan. Although, uh. The, the secret is I, I grew up more more of a Cubs fan uh-huh, than a White Sox fan. Uh-huh. And uh, I actually, a buddy of mine ended up becoming the general manager of the Chicago White Sox. And since that happened, I've become a White Sox we fan. White Sox fan. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, but I always like both teams. And yeah. I, that's like sacrilegious in Chicago. <laughs> You're supposed to pick one. But no. you know, I'm, I'm a Sox fan and a Cubs fan. You're a sports fan through and through. Alan, this was wonderful. How can how can people find you? So tell us your address on Twitch and Facebook. How can we find you? Where are you? Yeah, so Twitch every Saturday night, 8 p.m. till late. Um, Twitch.tv slash DJ Alan King, mm-hmm. uh, 8 p.m. till late. And then, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all of that. But mm-hmm. in terms of my, my live DJing shows. You I'm, keep it I'm on exclusively, Twitch. Exclusively on Twitch. Mm-hmm. On it's less of a hassle for you on Twitch, right? They don't bother yeah. you about the music and the rights and all that. 
Yeah, it, it, that's the reason I left Facebook because Facebook was like throwing you off, and and so Twitch, you know, I'm doing six or seven hours like every Saturday night, never a problem, never tossed off, and um, so it's 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 been really good. But, yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, until we figure out when we're gonna get out of this pandemic, catch me on Twitch on yeah. Saturday. Yeah, I think we got a few more months of staying in place, even though Atlanta is wilding out. They got clubs and people are (laughs) there are lines for clubs and they're not social distancing on the lines and I don't see any masks. But it's, you know, they're just going to make it worse, I think. But, you know, until we are until most of us that are reasonable and level headed are comfortable in being in a space, it, it may take a little time, but. We got you on Twitch, Alan, so I'm glad for that. Well, before we go, I just want to congratulate you on, on this long-running <laughs> um, show Thank and you. series, Real Thank Chick Rock. Yeah. I mean, it's been like, well, like five years or something. Almost. Right? I'm going into, this is my fifth year in April, will be five years of doing the yeah, show. And I've been, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Thank so, you. you know, Thank I you. Love you. I, I love, love you, too. Show. Thank you so much. I've been blessed to have people like yourself and Terry and Stan Zeff and Little Lewis and Kai Alsay and Ramon Rousseau, people that I like um, and I respect doing legendary things and work because, um, you know, if people don't know, I am a househead. So anytime I can slide in that genre <laughs> right, right. in the show and give you guys a platform, that's what I'm about. So I thank you so much, Alan, for talking with me this afternoon. This was great. I got to know you just a little bit, a little yeah. bit more. A little right, bit right. more. That's yeah. good. There's you, still more to peel back. Yeah, no, because you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going nowhere. Today's show, let me tell the people who's, uh, today's show is powered by Tanetta Bell, uh, photography. She's amazing. She's done all of my, uh, pictures, most of my pictures, my professional pictures that you see. Um, whenever I go up to New York, I just go across to Jersey and have her do my pictures. I love her to death. Please follow her on, um, IG. She's Tanetta Bell Photography. Go ahead. Look at these beautiful pictures. These babies, they're gorgeous. Um, she's been doing this for quite some time. She is magnificent. Um, some of the people, some actors have been using her, some people in music. Look at me. I didn't turn out too bad. I look pretty good. Go ahead, guys. Go ahead, get get your pictures done if you can. If you're in the Northeast area, Tanetta Bell Photography, she has been uh, able to power us today, and we're so thankful about that. That's my time. You guys know me. I'm everywhere. I am on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. We have a website, realchicksrock.com. Thank you so much, guys, for taking some time spending it with me this afternoon. Until next time, you guys take care, be well, and continue to rock on. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have a product or service you'd like to have promoted during the show, please contact us at info at realchicksrock.com and we'll send you the details. We're reaching the masses and we would love for you to join us on the ride. Until next time, take care and continue to rock on.